Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. It's a sad, sad day um, in the Real Tri Squad community. Jack's infamous car is officially dead. It's terrible. Yeah. I've been crying for three days. Jeez. Can you uh, give us a little story about what happened? And for those people that don't know, Jack, his like first car he ever owned was given to him by his grandfather. And it was, uh, was it 2000 what? 2007. Mercury Grand Marquis. Yeah. Grand Marquis. Um, it was nice. It was definitely, I mean, it was a great car for its time for sure. And, uh, that car owes you nothing. How many races did I drive? Like how many triathlon related training events or races did I drive that thing to? It's gotta be like 50, like every, every camp for the first few years, all my racing for the first like two or three years of my pro career. And for years after just like everything that just took me there. So it had 200 and oh, what did it have? 258,000 K on it. And it was running really well. And then I'm driving home from a family event, of course, pretty late at night because when else is your car going to break down? <laughs> and, uh, all of a sudden just no power going through to the, to the, you know, dri- drive train, like the engine's revving, but nothing's happening. And just had to, pull over on the 401 and just get towed from there and then get CIA to tow me all the way back to Guelph and uh, <clears throat> left it a couple days. And then I'm like, all right, I got to get this thing towed to a shop to see if it's fixable. Probably isn't, but we'll see. And as I'm waiting for CIA to come to tow this car to the shop, somebody backs out of the driveway and runs into the vehicle and like puts a big dent in it and scratches it and all kinds of damage to it. <laughs> and like 20 minutes later and i told the guy i'm like i'm taking it to the shop right now and if it's you know if it's dead which it probably is i'll just tell you you don't owe me anything whatever the car's scrap i'm not going to charge you for something i wasn't going to use anyways and they, i took it there and there's so many things wrong with it they said that they're not even sure what they would fix like they're not even sure which thing to fix to make it work again um so they're like okay well we could fix these two things and it'd be like a thousand bucks and it probably would work and i'm like oh well i don't really want to risk that so just gonna scrap it take the 850 bucks for it and you know get all my stuff out of it because it was like more of a storage unit than anything else at this point so (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but you know it was great it was my grandmother's car she passed away like six years ago and then my grandfather gave it to me and i've and i was even driving it before that like using it borrowing it to drive down to florida and stuff like that so you know it is what it is. Just uh, have always have the memories. If you do want to actually take a look at that vehicle, we do have an RTS YouTube video where we went through all our vehicles. We put that in the show notes, and you can see the greatness that it was. Yeah, um, but I guess that's that. You didn't try putting in rice or anything, but I need a lot of rice. It's a big yeah. car. <laughs> uh, well, that's too bad. Um, and I know it's it's hard to get cars now nowadays um yeah so we're looking at that's the next thing is i almost thought about telling the guys just like fix everything how much would it cost because there's literally 
like for Toyota or like the brands that actually make good vehicles, you can't get anything. Like literally it's like a minimum eight month wait. If you want a hybrid of any kind, it's a year wait. And if you want the one vehicle we were looking at, we're like, oh, we'll get a plug-in hybrid. Then we barely have to use any gas, whatever. And they're like, yep, that one's a three to four year wait. <laughs> they told me, I'm like, right. Okay. So whatever we're looking at, there's a Ford that has a pretty good plug-in hybrid to escape. So we might look at that. That one's only like a six to eight month wait. So might be not terrible. And I can just, you know, take Ubers for a bit. I don't actually use a car very much. So it's mostly we, my wife has a car that she drives to work and then I rarely need one in the summer. So Plus I got Lauren here and I can just jump in with him in the truck if I need to go somewhere most of the time. So we'll figure it out. <clears throat> You'll be fine. Um, but what everyone came here to listen to, uh, what are your thoughts on the race? So let's go over our, our predictions. Uh, I didn't write them down, so I'm not entirely sure. I don't really remember. I can say though, there are a couple of things that I was proven very wrong on and I'm very happy that it happened. Number one, Daniela Reef is back. She was obviously ill 2019 uh, for Worlds in Kona. And then she just had a bad streak after that, uh, left her coach and, and all that stuff. And she's back. She got number five. She was really fired up. I have never seen her that fired up for a win. Uh, she said that part of her mode, I don't know if she said it or everyone else said it, but that part of her motivation was everyone counting her out. So, uh, Daniela, you're welcome for being part of your motivation. I will, uh, I believe she said it was Garrick Lone on the real triathlon podcast that really pissed her off by not putting it her in the top five. Honestly, I wish she did say that. Could you imagine how good that'd be for the podcast? That'd be awesome. That would be amazing. Now how much hate mail we'd get. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Uh, and then I said, another thing that I also said, I said, Lionel is pretty much guaranteed to top five but I didn't see him on the podium and he had such a well-executed race. Um, he said that he probably wasn't going to win the race and that was the best finish he possibly could have had. And honestly, looking at him, I don't know if that's true. Like I know Christian beat him um, on the run and I, in Kona, Lionel gets it down. I think he has a shot at running with Christian on a flat course, even though it's hot and humid. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's still, I think what he's kind of clinging on to and what, you know, he has going for him is that in his mind, he's only been training properly for like what, eight months or something. Um, so he's just going to keep getting better for a while under that new, new program that he's on. So yeah, I could see it. I could see it happening. And then there's also, there's so many variables, like by that point in the season, people have been racing a lot. And, you know, I imagine at some point Christian and Gustav both are probably going to do some ITU and, and a lot of travel and stuff. So who knows if they were even able or Christian's able to replicate that performance again. Um, but obviously he had an unreal day at worlds this time around. So um were you surprised when he was like, I guess, kind of going into the men's race a bit, were you surprised that he was not in that league group of swimmers? I mean, everybody was saying they were super surprised by that um, on the, on the broadcast. I wasn't 
really that surprised. I mean, he's a good swimmer, but those front guys are like really, really good swimmers. So I thought it was more of a kind of a 50 50, whether he'd get in there or not with Christian. I, yeah, I agree. I was, I was kind of 50 50 on if he would be in that, in that league group, just because like ITU wise, he's not a lead pack swimmer. And a lot of those guys would be. And uh, I know like the, like it's different dynamics um, in the swim. So I wasn't hundred percent sure, but <clears throat> the fact that I think they pushed it in the swim because they wanted to get away and uh, their motivation really showed on the bike and how they, they really worked together. They were just smart about it. So that, that didn't surprise me. I, I kind of, with that one, I was like, well, let's just sit back and see what happens. No real prediction. So. Yeah. And those guys kind of got out with a good lead and five of them were able to, to stay together on the bike. And, that was an interesting group because you kind of look at that group and they're all like really solid bike riders. There was no like one that really stood out from the others. They're all just guys who always are not afraid to push the pace and they all work together pretty evenly as far as I know. Um, so it was pretty ideal for them. Like they were all similar ability. Nobody was getting dropped. Nobody was pushing it too hard. And they just kind of like were consistent across the whole bike. And I, I think they bike faster than anyone. Did they not? Like I, it was almost the exact same between like Lionel and it was very similar, but I think cam had the fastest bike split. Oh, right. Cause he was sort of at the back of that chase group. Um, and he made up like a couple seconds, but yeah, really impressive ride from those front five and they were racing super bravely to like, just go for it. And most of them had a pretty good race in the end. Like you had obviously Braden ended up third, um, you had, I think, fifth was Florian Anger. He was in that group. Sixth was, or sorry, uh, where was Laidlow? He was in, like, the top 10, and Kyle was Smith eight. was, like, 11th. Yeah, Kyle Smith, uh, they kept saying on the broadcast, like, oh, he's blowing up. He's going to blow up. He blew up. But it's, like, um, first of all, he's young. He's very young. I'm pretty sure he's, like, 25. And he had a lot of work on the bike. And then he actually, he had a solid run. Like he ran three hours, I'm pretty sure. And he ended up in like 11th. I mean, those guys are just good runners. Like he went out maybe a little quick in the first 5K, but then he settled in. Um, Same with the rest of the guys in that pack. Yeah, just like you were saying. Um, And then, uh, hey, you called it. Leon Chevalier got sixth. Mm -hmm. I put him in my top five and he almost got there. He almost got there, but. He, uh, you were the only one to put him up there. So I yeah, think- I knew that guy's like, when you look at the sport and like, even at the very long distance, like full distance, you've got guys like Leon Chevalier, Kyle Smith and Sam Lilo. I'm pretty sure they're all like 25 or less. They're really young. Um, and it's amazing to see them like just performing that well in full distance races. Like I can't even imagine a full distance race when I was like 23, 24, I would have been like terrible. Like I had no endurance at that point. It's just amazing that they, <clears throat> that they already do. So we'll see. I mean, I think a lot of these younger guys over the next few years are just going to be like really pushing it and getting to the top and challenging guys like Christian and Gustav and Jan. And like Jan, I mean, Jan can only be around so long, but. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this was his last Kona coming up, but Yeah. Uh, but that's a whole nother topic. So, uh, yeah, I think we both, we all equally did poorly and well 
on our predictions, especially in the well, in the men's race, we we all did relatively poorly, but relatively well. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I did think that Sam Long was going to have a better showing than he did. Uh, he did kind of let it slip after that, which I don't know. Like it's easy to say it after, but he did kind of let it slip that he wasn't like that car crash did take a lot more out of him than uh, he led on prior to. And yeah, and I don't think he makes that kind of stuff up. Like, no, of course you're going to say like, oh, I'll be fine because if you don't believe that, then there's no point in even racing, right? Exactly. Uh, so that's unfortunate that, that happened, but still a good finish. He still finished what 15th or in the top 15. Yeah, he was kind of in that range somewhere. I think. I, I mean, I guess we got to at least mention um, Chris Lieferman had like almost a similar day to Lionel, where he just like paced himself, raced smart, and just came together with a great run. Um, and, Chris and Lieferman, by- yeah, he's one of those guys. Like, he's not flashy. You don't hear much about him, and then he just shows up to like World Championship races and gets in the top ten. Yeah, he's he's really really good and when he's on he's like his like all three sports combo he's almost like a kind of almost like a Braden curry like he's well-rounded like not quite as good a swimmer but he's just such a good athlete yeah and uh speaking of Braden curry that's something we got to mention he he went for it man <laughs> he opened in uh like a 115 or something on the run yeah like almost exact same pace as Christian. Uh, like he risked it. And um, I mean, third place, you, you got to give him, give him credit for getting third. That, that was gutsy as heck. And, and then he Lionel has no fear that guy. Like he's, he just races so aggressively. It's amazing. And he runs. So it looks like he's running really hard all the time. Even when he's like running slow towards the end, he, it looks like he's like pretty much sprinting the way his running style is. So that last 10, 15 minutes where Lionel's sort of flying into that lead was really exciting. I think kind of kept everyone watching right to the end because it would look like Lionel was going to catch him. Then it wouldn't look like he was. And then, and then the splits would show that he would, and it just went back and forth. And I just knowing the course where they had to run that like one mile of flat road at the bottom, I figured he would probably just be able to really pull back anytime he needed uh, once that downhill was kind of done. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. Uh, typical Lionel Sanders fashion, catches him right at the end and has to sprint by him. Yeah, <laughs> just limp sprints by him and yeah, like 3.30 pace probably. Like literally the whole race looks like Lionel's like about to pull off with an injury and then he runs like 2.40 or whatever. <laughs> you never know how fast Lionel's running, but it's crazy. Um, but really cool race. So yeah. I was fired up watching. I'm like, all right, I got to get into polls again at some point, I guess, because – then everybody passes me in the freaking rankings and <laughs> no yeah. chance. On to the women's race. Um, let me just pull up the results here. But we know Danielle Reef with the win. Just, just edged out second place. It was pretty close. I think. Yeah, she just just <laughs> edged her out. Close, but close um, to ten minutes. Yeah, eight fifty uh, over Cat Matthews, who is really on fire right now. Um, but yeah, that was the old Daniela. You know, like she looked great on the bike. Um, she had a strong, consistent run. She and Haug only outran her by three and a half minutes, which yeah. is 
very it was amazing like very impressive i heard someone say that they think daniela still performed about 10 minutes worse than what she would at her best which i didn't agree with at all but i don't think i think the women's level has increased so i think that was close to as good as we've seen daniela ever um within a couple minutes anyway and yeah she was just back like her bike was insane um just putting you know 10 minutes into everybody um which was yeah what you would expect three four years ago out of her so that was awesome to see it was awesome to see how stoked she was to kind of pull it off because you know she probably started having some of her own doubts as well like it's hard not to when you had a streak of kind of bad by her standards results um so really cool that she was able to kind of come back and she's not like old or anything so she could do this again for years and years so i really hope we see that it would be nice to see lucy healthy what she could do but i i think the way daniela raced nobody was touching her that day no matter what yeah it's you can always say like what if um what if this person was there well really it's just lucy but um maybe nicholas Beerig but we haven't seen her do a full, we'll see her do one for the sub eight. Or the yeah. Sub eight. Um, but yeah, it, that was just, she did what she had to do to win. And that was the race of champion. Cause she not only like she won the race on the bike, but she held it on the run. Like she didn't, the gap didn't close. Um, it was never in doubt. Like she, she ran strong. It wasn't like an Uber biker performance, you know, like she was solid all the way around. And sometimes we lose perspective uh, on Daniela with her championships. Cause she, she's so strong on the bike and we're like, you know, if someone could just get there for the run, they could beat her or something, but she's, she's strong and who knows how much faster she could have run if she was pressed. Right. So it's a, you never know when, when someone wins, you never know how much faster they could go. Yeah, especially by that much. Um, yeah. So she, yeah, destroyed it. Kat Matthews, really awesome. Like, she's kind of come up really quickly, almost similar to how Lucy did a couple years ago. Uh, just really performing well at that full distance, really deserving uh, second place there. And Haug third, you know, it, there was a little bit of like, oh, it looked like Annie Haug was going to catch Kat and, the announcers or the the broadcast team always loves to speculate, but they also like to like say definitive things I find. And they're like, she's definitely going to catch her. It's just a matter of time. And then doesn't <laughs> catch her. And then the same thing with Lionel catching Brady. And they're like, he can't catch him. There's not enough time. And then he does catch him. So <laughs> I just, it's kind of funny every time yeah. they say something. Different, I feel just, like we can get into the commentators after we go through the women's, but I feel like they just, by the end, they're so tired and they just run out of things to say. And they're just like, this is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then uh Ann Haug coming in third. That's uh for some reason, Ann Haug's my dad's favorite athlete ever since she was an ITU athlete. I, I'm not sure why, <laughs> but uh it's always exciting to see her do well. And um, I mean, we knew she was gonna do well. Like the only reason I didn't pick her and Daniela was just because I was trying to be, you know, trying to make bold predictions and stuff, but she, she had a solid day. Uh, yeah. She actually made up ground on Kat halfway through the run. And then Kat, in Kat's words, she's like, oh, I found my running legs. And then Kat Matthews actually put time into Ann Haug in the second half of that run, uh, which is 
very impressive because for a couple of years, ever since um, Anne moved up, she really dominated the run. And like, that was her thing. And to see someone have a better second half of a run than her is kind of indicative of like where women's sport, the women, the sport is going in the women's race. Yeah. It's uh, I think the level is really increasing. Like we're not, we're seeing the same thing really on the men's and women's side, like the, the top levels being pushed. Um, I think there, you know, quite, aren't quite as many of the women who are, are up really with the best, like kind of pushing each other yet, but it's coming. Like, I mean, sky had an amazing race as well. Um, wasn't really in a kind of, it didn't seem like in the race for the podium at, at any point, once that group split up on the bike, but she still, was really, really solid. And then one of my, probably my like most exciting, uh, you know, thing I was most happy to see was Ruth Astle coming in through in fifth. Cause that's awesome. Um, I, I know her a little bit and she's great. And, and like, she's, she's pretty new to pro triathlon. Really. It's only been a couple of years for her. Maybe this is her third one. So, um, and she's super, super strong. I mean, she's the swim, she's kind of, not with the leaders and then she's bike running solo all day and, and she's still able to come through in fifth, which is incredible. Um, tough, tough to do that. Like I with the way these races are the bike packs and stuff, it's amazing that some people are still able to like Lionel did and a few others like push themselves solo and still be in it. Like without having that, those people right there with them all day. Um, totally different way to race. Yeah, and I think uh, in the women's race, especially, it was a lot, a little more solo on the bike, so it did kind of play into her hands. But um, Lisa Norton as well, like you would think, an individual time trial would play well for her too, um, and I mean it did. She finished sixth in her first Ironman World Champs. This is her second Iron, third Ironman ever, um, and I think those two ladies finishing fifth and sixth <clears throat> in their first. Ironman world champs and like only the third or fourth Ironman. Like that's very impressive. Yeah. And they like, they really, Lisa didn't have the best run, but I mean, she kind of got passed by a few girls there, but um, it was a day of survival for sure. And if you're running like, like she ran three, what was it? Three eighteen, I think. And she still, you know, managed to go sixth because she was so solid on the swim bike and it was tough to run well out there. Not very many did. So, uh, kind of kept it together for a good performance, but I really like seeing Lisa, like Lisa's been at the sport forever, you know, probably most epic sprint finish in any race in history when it's for an Olympic gold medal. And she's part of that. Um, and you know, she's still out here kicking ass in Ironman, which is crazy. Some people just love, like, they just want to race as long as they can because they just love it so much. Right. It's, it's really inspiring. Yeah. Um, and Lisa, especially, she kind of took a step away from the sport for a little bit because she was injured and she did some professional cycling. She, uh, won the Swedish national time trialing championships. Don't fact check me on that, but she definitely went to the world champs for time trialing. Um, so we know she was a strong cyclist and yeah, it did play into her hands, but now she's back and she obviously won Lake Placid last year, uh, which was very exciting with Heather Jackson cramping up and all that stuff. 
but let's uh let's move on so let's do some hot takes actually the course in st george as a world championship course what do you think do we what do you think ironman should rotate the full distance world champs uh whether that be kona every other year every third year or every fourth year or keep it in kona with looking at how successful this was and how awesome i thought it was a great course um and it made really exciting this is probably one of the most exciting world champs we've had in in recent memories so what do you think i think they should rotate it um at least you know do kona every other year at the at the most i mean there is obviously something special about Kona that everyone wants to keep going back to. And even if you went one every four years, like every, that would still give everyone a chance to go and a, you know, a reasonable chance to go. And, you know, maybe you do it once every three or once every two, but rotating the course elsewhere. Like I do think there's something to be said for, you know, people wanting to have a chance to win a world's champs who aren't like super good in the heat. And there's, Yes, you can heat train, but there's only so much that you can do to acclimate yourself to being good in the heat. And some people are just not good in the heat and they're never going to win in Kona. So, you know, having like, it'd be cool to have one in freaking like Finland or something crazy where it's cold. Like that would be crazy. It'd be so different. You'd never be able to pick who's going to win and how it's going to go. Like it's exciting. Uh, and I think for, I think for fans, it's exciting for pros. It would be exciting to kind of, change it around i know age group it's really kind of all about kona it seems just that mindset that history um which is why you definitely have to have it but maybe once every two years and then you you kind of do one in like europe one in north america one in south america or something so you could alternate that other one around a bit it also gives people a chance to go who can't afford to go all the way to kona like there's probably a ton of like europeans who are who could qualify and they're like i can't freaking go because it's what's a freaking five grand trip probably at least minimum um and yeah i mean some people can't afford to do that so it'd be cool if oh look there's one in europe now it's only a thousand bucks for me to do this trip and i'll go kind of thing yeah imagine how competitive that race would be if it was in europe yeah like germany or something that'd be nuts it'd be insane but yeah the like the barriers to getting to kona is absurd like the flights the costs accommodations there's not enough accommodations they don't even really want it there i just know there is like something about kona so they have to go back but think about how much how much of a bigger deal it'll be if they go back every second year every third year like how yeah how huge this would be like the olympics once every four years yeah like it'd be crazy people would periodize their whole like training around a once every four year Kona or something like it'd be awesome exactly but it would still like we'd still get that world champs and I mean yeah then we get like like more competitive racing and just you know like I find it more exciting when it's like this year when it wasn't in Kona Um, yeah well Kona you basically get like the swim bike it's you know groups and stuff and sometimes a couple people get away on the bike and then it's like okay, look, two thirds of the people are melting and not running well and everyone else. Okay. Here's the people who are running well. And that's, who's going to be in the top 10. And that's basically how it goes every year. And it's kind of like, 
yeah, I mean, you get the odd exciting race, um, but I think, yeah, you're more likely to get a more exciting race going different places where it's a little bit more unpredictable. Yeah. And you can keep it on tough courses, but yeah, I don't know. Let's move it around and um, Alaska would be good. Dude, there's a race in Alaska that uh, this year, I don't, it's not a pro race, but it looks like it's going to be pretty sweet, but I think you're also going to have uh, accommodation issues there. Yeah. But true. But yeah, I yeah. think that's, you know, we'll see what they do. I think they're open to ch- changing it up. So I wouldn't be surprised. That's what we start seeing. Um, From a sheer like profitability standpoint, it just makes sense for them to move it because they're always going to sell it out. Um, and you can get more athletes if you move it around because you can do it on two days and there's enough accommodations. I don't know how they're going to do it in Kona over the two days and increasing the spots. I don't know like how that's going to work. Uh, like people will be yeah. staying like hours away, an hour away or something like that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're already getting up at three. You might as well get up at two, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. But, but uh, time will tell what happens there. Yeah. Um, so other things, um, there was, the, so with the race, you ended up having crazy movement in the PTO world rankings, which it should be. I mean, you've got a world championship. Um, so people are, are having great performances. The way that the point system works this year, anybody um, who does an Ironman or more than one, I guess, whichever one, their best Ironman full distance, not, not just Ironman brand, but any full distance pro race, they get a 10% bonus in their points for that race. Um, so we've got some huge points because Christian's performance was like almost 115 and then he gets his bonus. So it was like 127 uh, or six or something. And Daniela, her performance was over 120. And so it ended up being like 137 points. Um, so she moved back up into the world number one. And then of course you just see a ton of movement in the rankings as a result of, um, anybody who did well. So obviously like Braden Curry moved way up. Lionel actually didn't move up, but he passed somebody and got passed by Christian. Christian Bloomfeld took over number one. Um, yeah, Braden Curry moved up 10 Florian Angert moved up four. Leon Chevalier move up 16. So huge amount of movement. So it's kind of an interesting system this year because you got that 10% bonus for your best full distance. Um, but you also have these smaller bonuses. So 5% bonus for the PTO Canadian open and a 5% bonus for the PTO us open. So they're kind of trying to balance it where if you're a full distance specialist, you get a bonus. And if you're, if you're a mid distance specialist, you get, uh chances for bonuses as well so what do you what are your thoughts on that like i know you know my thoughts are what they are and i'll say them in a bit but what do you think about the way that they're doing these kind of bonuses I think, so the five percent bonus for the pto open races just makes sense to me because you want the best guys there and that's going to encourage the best guys to go there because that's what's going to create the most exciting product to watch um and you know, like if money's not enough, then uh, the points to get money at the end of the season should be enough. And that I don't know if I, I'm really sure about that 10%. Um, like that's something I just learned today about that. I think you, you had told me that earlier today. Um, and when I immediately heard it, my, my reaction was like, that's kind of ridiculous. 
Um, but then I thought more about it and I was like, well, there could be an argument made because you can't race fulls that much. So if you are uh, a full specialist, then yeah, that, that will help. Um, but at the end of the day, the points are how many years worth of points is two your bet last two years. Um, they're basically a year now. Um, they're going to start to the point where they like, they only, yeah. I mean, right now at the start of the year, they kind of count for like the whole last season, but then once you get to a certain point in the year, they're going to start dropping results off that are one year old. Um, so it kind of depends, but the absolute max that you ever get is about like 14, 16 months, something like that. Okay. Uh, okay. Well then, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like if you focus on for the guys that focus on Ironman really aren't good at 70.3 or it, it kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I can see the argument there for that. So we'll have to see how it shakes out. I mean, at the end of the day, like we're really, we need to have a, I need to put a counter in. That's like how many times I said at the end of the day in this podcast, but um, that'd be a lot of work. So probably yeah. don't. Um, but yeah, so at the end of the day, um, you know, we're still trying to figure out this point stuff. So we're still playing around with it and, uh, we'll just have to see how it stacks up and if it does make sense. So I think it's, think? I mean, it. of course rip. I'm going to tell you what I think, but, uh, <laughs> that's what we, that's why we do this. So we can be experts and then nobody can tell us we're wrong. Um, <laughs> So I agree with you about the PTO races, 5% bonus. That makes sense. I also agree that there should be a 10% bonus for Ironman for full distance for the best for either kind of the best one is the way they have it. But I would like to see it being like your best world championship or something like that. Um, because that puts it on a more level playing field to having to do the two open races. Um, Cause what you've got is, Right now, 10% for your best full distance. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter what the course is like, anything. And you can retry. Like you go to a race, have a bad day, retry again, do another full, have a good day. So it's just really favorable for the people doing fulls that are just going to eventually have a good day in the year. Whereas if you're a, a, a mid, let's call it the uh, mid distance specialist who's kind of doing the halves and the PTO distance you have to, to get those two 5% to equal your 10% bonus. You've got to go to the Canadian open and the U S open on the days and the courses, be healthy, be fit, be ready and have a good day to take advantage of that, which is way harder to do than just one of any full distance during the year, obviously not taking into account the distance of the race. So what you have is I think it should be equally fair for somebody who does not do any fulls, and somebody who does not do any of the PTO races, distance races. So right now it's, it's not really because it's, it's leaned towards those full distance athletes. Um, and you know, maybe that's fair. Maybe the pinnacle of the sport is full distance and they should have an advantage. I don't know. Um, that's just kind of my thoughts on it, but even still you look at people coming into the sport on the lower, let's say people who are like, okay, my goal is to just, get into the top hundred and, and try to make a few bucks. Well, maybe you're a young athlete and you're not racing full distance yet and you shouldn't because you're new and that's fair and you don't qualify for the PTO open or the U S open. 
So now all of a sudden you're like maybe being encouraged to jump into a fold because you can get that big bonus. Um, and I'm not sure if that's the best either. Like maybe they should have a 5% bonus just for your best half or something. Um, so anyway, there's always going to be these little negatives that come out of everything. But I think when it comes to like seeing who's going to be in the top at the end of the year, you're going to have people who are good at full distance, have one really good full and people and who can perform well at the Canadian and the U S open. So I would take a guess that the top 10 might be only people who have a good full and good races at the U S and Canadian open. There, there might be a couple guys who can sneak into like six to 10th who don't have a full or who didn't do well, probably at one of the two PTO open races. Um, I mean, probably don't need to do well, both of them. It's only 5%. So if you have like a crazy world, crazy Ironman or something, you might be able to get away with it, but works, you know, cut out for me because I'm going to have to have good races at both of those, get those 5% and see if I can move up, but I'm down to 14 now, which is, you know, is what it is. And I'll just keep chipping away and trying to sneak my way back into that top 10. Yeah, man, just have a couple of good races. I think you can, I think you can do it. I think you can get back there. Yeah. And it's, it's going to always like go back and forth. Like there was a big full distance world champs and all these people did well. And all of a sudden they move way up and it looks like it's too heavy towards full. And then you're going to have the, the opens in the middle of the summer and all those people who do well, there are going to move way up and it's going to look favorable for them. So it's all about the timing and I think it'll balance out in the end of the year. So, yeah. And, um, at the end of the day, that's kind of what you want, right? Is for it to be balanced at the, the end of the year. Yeah. I think it'll be good, but maybe I got to just cancel some plans and do a full, you never know. Yeah. I was thinking that I was like, you know what, man, I'm just going to race every full distance and hopefully one of them is good. <laughs> yeah. That's a good strategy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I haven't even put a race on the schedule yet. So, but yeah, real quick on that up next, we got Chattanooga. I'll be there. Nick, Leslie, I believe Leslie and Tamara. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Leslie will be there. Tamara will be there. Nice. And then uh, Lisa's still kind of come back from injury. I think Garrick's still coming back. How's the running coming along each week getting better? I, uh, my calf exploded on me on Monday. What do you mean exploded? It like, I think I, I strained it, whatever I did. Um, it's quite sore. So I, I did an easy 20 today and uh, it was quite sore again. But um, yeah, well, I at least you ran 20. Me. I mean, it's not much more than what you've been doing anyways, or much less. I mean, yeah, um, I, it's just frustrating. Like, I know it's it's not going to be like a long lingering injury, but um, yeah, it's just frustrating because I feel like the world is always against me when it comes to running. And yeah. um, my body's just really not built for running. You run all. really freaking fast, though. It's, it's just sheer will, Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Sheer willpower. It's like Lionel. It's like, it looks like it shouldn't be happening, but it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, it is frustrating. So I don't know. Anyway, we don't have to talk about this. Um, I That'll do want to mention something. Quick. Yeah, I do want to mention something. Um, by just shout out to everyone who raced that White Lake um half race that was the same day as worlds 
Uh, it was a pro race and it's an independent pro race, which is always cool to see. Um, I think, so the podium for, for the men's Trevor Foley, Andrew Starkwitz and uh, Dylan Gillespie, they all biked under two hours. Holy crap. I didn't even know this race existed. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I saw the bike data for those guys. The course was legit. It was accurate. I'm sure there wasn't a hill in sight, but the fact that um, two other guys biked within 30 seconds of Starkey is yeah, that's uh, nuts. Yeah. And then, and then Trevor Foley went on and ran a 110. Yep. Who the heck is that guy? Yeah. Uh, he was fifth. I had to look him up. I, I felt like I had heard the name, but not really. Um, but he lives in Florida and he finished fifth in, um, oh, um, Indian Wells. And the crazy thing about him is he didn't even, he rode 21 seconds slower than Starkey, but he didn't even, they didn't ride together. No, nope, he, he did it solo. swam way behind, like over three minutes slower. Does it rides that well solo and then runs one ten passes everybody? Yeah. Wow. Keep an eye out for that guy. He's probably like ten years old and gonna freaking get unreal like the rest of these guys. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was pretty impressive. And then uh, first year nineteen ninety nine. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So. so anyways, the, these people that are, are really really good and really young just coming out of everywhere now. So. Yeah. Best to just just focus on what you're doing and just keep crunching away and just <laughs> don't worry about it because yeah, there's always going to be who's someone who's younger and brighter and better and you just have to beat them. Just with. focus on what you're doing, focus on your own numbers, uh, and then show up to race day. That's what I find helps me. But let's give a shout out to the women's podium as well. So Ellie Brower, Sarah Bishop, and Summer Deal. Uh, if you Ooh. don't know. The deals, I think uh, Ben actually, her husband Ben actually finished fourth in the men's race. Yeah. 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 So deals on wheels. They're uh, kind of fun to follow if you follow, if you want to follow them on Instagram. But that was, uh, yeah. So shout out to independent pro races. That was awesome. Uh, and it happened during uh, Worlds. So I feel like it kind of got glossed over, but good for them. I like to yeah, see well, it. Yeah, well, big time did. I didn't even know what happened and I yeah. pay attention to all the results. So. But, good job for them cool we'll see they didn't release points for that race yet which is interesting because it came out it was the same weekend as world so yeah it took them like uh, a week to even put the results up oh they're like oh wait shit there was another race yeah <laughs> yeah so well all right well that's about it talk about? yeah we should wrap that's it up before the dog goes nuts because morgan should be home real soon now so okay perfect well we'll see what happens at uh, next week? Maybe we'll do a pre-episode for Chattanooga or something. And uh, yeah, I'm driving down. First first race I've driven to in a long time, so I'm pretty stoked wow. for that. And you don't have a car for it. So when do you drive down? I'm gonna leave Wednesday. I'm going with Ryan Power and a friend of his. Just drive a little bit Wednesday and most of it Thursday, and then you know there for a Sunday race. So that's nice. what I've always done, just to keep it same and had some good results there. So hoping to kind of keep keep that train rolling. Yeah, man, that's North American champs. You can get yourself uh actual like a title. That'd be sick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can't think about that. Just gotta think about racing. Yeah. Do it. Get that last weekend done. How you feeling? Yeah. Um 
pretty ready for a break. Honestly, I'm taking a break after. So <laughs> starting to creep into my mind. I'm like, well, don't have to push too hard now. Most of the fitness is there. So just kind of doing some heat training. It was 28 Celsius today. I did um, a bike on the trainer and I tried not to use the fan for most of it. So definitely was hot and, you know, just trying to get ready for that. Cause Chattanooga is always freaking hot, but yeah, the fitness is there for sure. Numbers are fine and everything's good. I just got to get the taper right and, and, uh, just go and freaking crush myself and try to beat these guys. There's good field, Sam long, uh, is kind of the big name there and a bunch of other really strong guys that are always at every 70.3 that you probably would expect. So, yeah, uh, we'll see. Well, you're good in the heat and, uh, the hills. downstream swim so there you go don't even have to worry about that perfect <laughs> so sam will be right with you yeah yeah <laughs> oh god all right we better wrap this up i gotta go freaking clean in kitchen yeah all right dude until next time peace Ow. i got ish to do flying through the sky in my parachute Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one-man mission trying to see it through.